0: go to the app store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.
1: For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk.
0: Today on the show, the Orioles are good. We ask the question, what makes you an Oriole fan? And Bert tells us about the village down in Orlando.
2: up, birds, be ready to ride. Your host, make bird ready to fly. Baltimore's best section three, three, six. The number one sports broadcast gets your fix. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck. our favorite Oreos. What's the latest line up? Home runs and stolen bases. This is a trip.
3: Stay tuned in at three thirty six.
0: Hey there, three, three sixers. We're back for another episode. Uh, now that the Orioles are starting to win, I think it'll be a much funner episode than last week, as we were in the midst of a losing streak. But even though Matt is still in Africa, I was able to get Bert on the phone from Disney. Are you now? Are you at the park now, or what's going on with you?
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, we are not at a park tonight. Uh, we're just hanging out at the uh, at the 55 community where we stay. We're actually going over to the villages tonight, which anyone who knows anything about Central Florida knows. That the villages is a community, best known, for the STD capital of the world.
0: <laughs> Hold on, is, is this the Disney Villages or what is the Villages?
1: No, it's like a senior community um, that has their own little town, you know, with shops and ice cream, and everybody drives golf carts everywhere, and they have a little town square with concerts and stuff. Um, but apparently, you know, the the elderly folk who moved down there to the Villages Still quite young at heart, and uh you know, good for them.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I, I guess when you reach an age, you just don't care anymore.
1: I I I think that's the case. Yes.
0: <laughs> now, now, how am I supposed to turn that into oriel talk?
1: Josh, you can turn that into oriel talk because I listened to last week's episode recently, and it was such a downer. Except for getting to hear Matt, Matt's voice for a little while, which was great, but. Uh, It's so weird, it's every other week We are really down on the O's You know, they lose three or four straight or something They lose first place And then here we are, one week from Monday And we're having a great week Five game winning streak to uh, Tuesday night with Tillman supposed to start uh, It's been a great week, Josh
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's ridiculous that our rotation's been good um, For some reason your cell phone's been bad And you keep dropping off every few words so I don't know if you oh. can get somewhere with a slightly better uh, connection but but yeah. yeah I'll move around a bit. All right, thank you. But you're right, it's the off- the pitching. We we've now gone through the rotation and everyone has had a quality start except Bundy who went 5 innings, who pitched an outstanding 5 innings, but of course he's on that pitch limit. So uh it's it's acceptable that he didn't get he didn't get his 6 innings in.
1: Yeah, he was excellent um and uh even Gallardo on Monday night, uh, Through one of his best outings the season. Didn't get much in terms of run support, but he looked great. I mean, it was against the Colorado Rockies. They don't have a great record, but their lineup is fairly stacked. They got a bunch of uh, three guys that hit over 20 home runs so far this year. Right. Plus,
0: we've seen a little Oriole magic with Nolan Reimold, out of all people, hitting a walk-off. And then uh, Monday night to win where the pitcher missed the ball. It, it, that, that hit by Manny at the end of the game yesterday would have been a double play normally. Oh and, yeah, yeah. end of the inning. Instead, the pitcher misses it, misplays it, so then it should be an out at the plate, but then the catcher drops it. So Adam Jones is safe. We've got to thank a little Oriole magic and the rain. The rain had to help that that play out a lot for us.
1: Yeah, it it had started raining a little bit on Monday night, is that right?
0: Yeah, it was raining it was actually starting to rain pretty good by the time that play happened looked like but it didn't didn't start raining until uh until that 10th inning so i think i I think that helped us out a little bit you know i went i went on i was gonna tell you i went on sunday to the game took the family to the one o'clock sunday start and it was ridiculously hot
1: dugout club right
0: yeah, dugout club. And and see, when I ordered these tickets a while ago before the weather forecast, I said, hey, they've got the option to sit down in the lower level in left field. I've never done that before. Those, looks like really sure. co- those look like fun seats. It's cheap. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Way too hot. My, fam- <laughs> my family was in the seat for maybe one batter. And then they went in the shade. Wow. They went and, and hung out in the concourse and let me stay until the third inning, which is when we all left. <laughs> Which then gets oh, wow. me to around the fifth inning when Jonathan Scope hits a home run while I'm driving home. And then I get home and watch the replay on my phone to see that his home run lands in my strip of empty seats.
1: Oh, my God. And worse.
0: Yeah. Not you to mention. You could have right, had a home run. I would have had that Jonathan Scope ball because there was no one else in that row but me because the rest of my family was, was undercover somewhere. Wow. So,
1: now, did you get there early enough to get the Palmer jersey, though?
0: Uh, kind of. I got there about an hour early. They had, We're down to one box, and I got a medium Palmer jersey. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I can't button it, but I can wear it like open, open jersey. Oh, there you go. So It's not
1: completely useless.
0: No, it's but very close. But also <laughs> on Sunday, we've got these Trumbo shirts that uh, everyone knows. You can go to Section336.com and order a Trumbo shirt, or you can go to Mother's and pick up your own Trumbo shirt. My wife saw someone wearing a Trumbo shirt.
1: One of our Trumbo shirts?
0: One of our Trumbo shirts, yeah.
1: Ours and Mother's?
0: Our, ours and Mother's, but uh, he had the pre-Mother's version. It did not have the Mother's icon on it. He, it was an orange one, which you can get exclusively from Section 336. So Mandy saw him up in the uh, upper deck and said hi to him. So whatever, he, she did not get a name or anything, so whatever 336 or you are, it's cool that you're out there wearing the shirt at the uh, stadium. My dream is to one time see someone actually wearing the Trumbo shirt in person, besides <laughs> me.
1: I heard there's a deal if uh, Trumbo hits a home run that day, they go on sale or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm, they're on sale. When Trumbo hits a home run, they're on sale for the rest of the game. Oh, great. So we're doing that. And, and later in today's episode, I will have details about our, our next night at the yard on August 20th. Awesome. Which is also the Chris Davis bobblehead day. Very cool. And and bobble dog. I don't know if the dog's head bobbles, (laughs) but there's a dog on there. And uh, we'll have a special on the website to get a Trumbo shirt with your ticket as well.
1: Awesome. That's great. And uh, by August 20th, I will be back from Florida by then, I promise. Yeah,
0: and Matt will be back too. And we will be hopefully still in first place and, and pushing forward for this playoff run.
1: Shoot, we're Josh. We're not only in first place right now. We're uh, we're one game away from having the best record in all of baseball.
0: How, how how ridiculous is that? I looked, I saw that today. And what what happened to the the uh, unbeatable Cubs?
1: Seriously, yeah, they fell off. They, it's interesting. They
0: can't hit the ball. They got shut out by Miguel Gonzalez yesterday.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> that,
0: that's where they. Well,
1: stay. Either the Cubs are falling off, or I've heard that. Uh, the Chicago Sox have fixed Miguel Gonzalez.
0: They have. And you did you read the article on, on what they did to fix him?
1: Uh, let me guess. It begins with a C and ends in utter.
0: Yeah, let's just say if Matt wasn't in Africa, we'd be arguing right now about the cutter. Because <laughs> sure enough, Miguel contributes to the cutter once again.
1: Wow. Plus, and you know what's interesting, Ash? Yeah. Uh, you know, Going into Tuesday night, we've got Chris Tillman starting night. Going for our sixth consecutive win, um, Just this past Tuesday, you and I were talking about how we needed Chris Tillman to be the stopper to end a five game losing streak, and now it's complete opposite. We need him to continue so we can get a six game winning streak.
0: Yeah, you know you know what's interesting about Tillman? Tillman obviously took a step this year compared to last year. And he improved. And do you know what pitch he's now throwing more than he has in his career?
1: I don't change up. The cutter. Oh, is he, is he calling something else?
0: He is now throwing the cutter. Interesting. And I think it's like 20% of his pitches or something like that is now the cutter.
1: Well, and uh, if he goes for the win, gets the win tonight, 15 wins would be the tops in all of baseball as well for starting pitchers.
0: Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, Tillman's been outstanding. And, yes. And it's, it's just been really fun to watch. And tonight we get Kim back in the lineup who we needed i mean our 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 outfield's a little beat up
1: yeah yeah uh kim had a good night in Bowie last night uh being monday night and yeah definitely good to have him back in the lineup tonight what do you what do you think's
0: going on with davis how how long can this slump last
1: yeah yeah he goes through some slumps like this every season and i haven't gone back to look to compare to it like i don't know maybe it's just this seems like one of the worst ones he's had in a long time.
0: Yeah, I I think the problem is I was looking at it a little today and I think the problem is is he's not he's either striking out or he's making when he makes contact it's a hit or it's a fielder's choice type situation because if you notice he, he always has less at bats than everyone else on the team because he's either yeah. hitting fielder's choices, he's getting a walk a game, but the strikeouts, when he strikes out are ugly strikeouts.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's I've 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 seen him a few of his at bats while we've been here in Florida. I've seen mostly strikeouts, but a, a walk here and there. Uh, I saw him get hit by a pitch the other day. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess you could say it's coming at the best time possible because uh, we're winning despite the slump. You know, it's going to turn around where he's going to get hot, and then everybody else's bats cool off, and that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, and that's the key. It's right now the pitching's hand on things, so it's all right. Absolutely. What we, we, need, we need the great Davis in September, October, and I'm hoping that's when we see him.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. He's just, he's just saving it for when it counts. So,
0: so you saw that Upton signed with the Blue Jays, or he got traded to the Blue Jays.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah for a couple prospects.
0: Yeah, uh, one prospect. They're a number 18 prospect. Uh, okay. Which, which I've been told is kind of like a Tanner Scott to us, around the same level.
1: Okay, yeah, I, uh, you know, I would have liked to have had him. I think more so just to get rid of a Baldo, and but it, it's, in terms of him coming to the Orioles, it seems like he would just be cluttering an already cluttered outfield.
0: Yeah, that, that's how I kind of feel. Like he would have been a Rickard replacement, maybe kind of. Uh, yeah. But uh, that we don't really need that. I I'd rather see Kim every day right now. Yeah. See how he goes. The idea of getting rid of Ubaldo to uh, free up some space in that bullpen and and some uh, allow them to make some moves is definitely appealing. But now we're hearing Ubaldo might get the start on Thursday. So I, yeah, that's I, unfortunate. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's clearly that they want Gosman to pitch against the Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, and they yeah. don't
0: they don't want that way. You're not. I know you're not. They're not going to make Gosman travel to Minnesota for one of these. It's the second time we got to do this, where we got to fly somewhere for one game.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I figure if, if Baldo has to start against anybody, might as well be the worst team in the American League.
0: Yeah, and why not give him one more chance to like pitch, and maybe another team say, "Hey, he can pitch."
1: Yeah, yeah, one more shot to make see if he's trade worthy. I I was shocked that even the Padres were going to give him a shot. Like that, that just seemed it seemed like a uneven trade. See, I'm
0: not shocked because what do you think the Orioles' reputation is for for pitchers? It, it's it's yeah. got to be horrible, and it's got to be. We're seeing Arietta, Gonzalez go and uh, get fixed. Uh, Pedro Strope is contributing to, to the Cubs. Uh, yeah, Johnson's down in Atlanta pitching. All right, Bud Norris is pitching well. I mean, yeah, look at all these former Orioles that do okay when they leave this organization.
1: Sure. Yeah, I agree with you, but it seems and and yeah, it it seems like the Padres might be willing to take a shot cuz or former Oriole pitchers seem to thrive in on other teams but they'd be giving up Melvin Upton BJ Upton whatever you want to call him in exchange that just didn't seem to even out cuz and for one thing we would we would have gotten Upton for next year as well right I believe it was a two year he's still under contract for two years Yeah he's a um,
0: yes he's a So it's the same as Ubato. I, and sure. well, the one the one rumor that came out on Twitter today was that the deal was about to close, and then because of finances, Angelos got involved and said no. Interesting. Which is interesting and tells you that maybe we were maybe we would have had to eat a good chunk of Jimenez's contract. Yeah. I don't know. I never like seeing Angelos involved in anything, but yeah, I. Yeah,
1: I don't either. And it seems out of out of at least his character recently because he has gotten a little more uh, hands off, yeah, and and a little more uh, easy with the wallet recently. I mean, Chris Davis is the prime example, right? Um, but maybe it, you know might be partially because he did open up the wallet pretty significantly for Abaldo, uh, at least in terms of for the Orioles. Like, when's the last time we ever paid forty million for a starting pitch, even though even he wasn't a very good one. He was the best available at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is kind of a hard pill to swallow knowing that you spent that much for a guy that has contributed virtually nothing.
0: Right, right. Um, yeah, do you think the Orioles, we've got a week until the trade deadline, you think the Orioles are going to do anything? Yeah, Duquette, Duquette has done made a move in either June or July every year he's been in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has. Um. I nothing has been as splashy as since uh Andrew Miller for Eduardo Rodriguez well that, that
0: um, that's the only one that worked right
1: yeah yeah but I mean I, I don't ex- anticipate any big names coming here or us losing any big names you know I I would expect a move but it might just be for some uh, fifth starter off of some team that we never heard of but yet. When the trade occurs, we can all pretend like we knew. Right, it like was right. a good move. <laughs>
0: like Hellickson from the from the Philadelphia.
1: Yes, yes, that's that's the one I have seen or, uh, or floated around a uh,
0: That Santiago guy. Yep. That I don't know. He's on the West Coast, and people keep. Or, talking uh, Or
1: Irvin Santana in uh in Minnesota. Um. Right, right. So I I don't know. I don't know if we even need to make
0: a move now. Yes, I'm saying this when when all of our starters have a combined ERA of the past week of under two.
1: Yes. <laughs> so
0: ask me again next week, and I'll be begging for a pitcher. But as of right Absolutely. now, this team looks okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just last Tuesday we would have we would have been begging for a pitcher, but this Tuesday it's a completely different story. Right.
0: And right now, as we said at the beginning of the program, we are one game behind the Cubs for the best record in baseball. And that's not yeah. just because of this week. That is because yeah. of whatever 90 games that we're in right now.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the uh, the Red Sox have now lost two in a row to the Minnesota Twins, who are terrible. The Blue Jays just keep winning, but they just got to be frustrated because they still haven't been able to pass the Red Sox. They, you know, but they're they're right on our heels. We cannot get comfortable yet. Uh, we still we still got two months of uh, uh, heavy races in the American League East.
0: Yeah, it's it's two and a half and three and a half game lead as we record this. But and yeah, we just beat Cleveland and just swept them who are a very good team, but you're right. It's yep. these, this playoff scenario is looking like there are going to be uh, three AL East teams in the playoffs, one that gets in, and two that play for the wild card spots.
1: Yeah, that that is quite uh, possible.
0: So, which means it's very important to play really well up in Toronto this weekend.
1: Yes, yeah, I forgot it's in Toronto this weekend. It's in Toronto. Um, we have been able to catch the ball games down here when we're home at the house because uh, the television has an Apple TV with an MLB subscription. So I got to watch the whole game yesterday. And even the ones while I'm at the park, I've got my phone on my hip. Even the, the game on Sunday, the one you were at, I even tweeted how hot it was in Florida at Epcot that day. But I know it was hotter in Baltimore than it was uh, at Walt Disney World that day. I'm it was sure it insane. Was. Um, but even that. That was a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was I was sitting down in uh, Japan, of all places, when Rymold hit that walk-off home run. It was great.
0: <laughs> World traveler.
1: I am, yep. Two minutes later, I was in Italy. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, now if only they could make like real transportation work that fast.
1: <laughs> One day, Josh. Maybe right. our grandchildren will be able to do that. Yeah.
0: So uh, the theme of today's episode is kind of what? How you became an Oriole fan? And I'll I'll share my story in a little bit. But do you want to share a little bit about how you became an Oriole fan before uh, I get you off the phone?
1: Sure. And I I bet mine is very much like yours, very very much like anybody else who's contributing to today's episode. Where it was born, it must have been in my blood. Uh, my father, my grandfather, all of my ancestors on both sides of my family all came up through Baltimore. Nobody has been like displaced from Chicago or anything like that. We've been Orioles, pan- Orioles fans in the roadie family for generations now. And uh, I mean, even as a child, just playing little league and growing to have a love of baseball, my parents pulling me and my brother out of school on opening day. So we could attend opening day for a few years there uh, as uh, you know, second, third, fourth graders um, collecting baseball cards, you know, there was there was always a stretch where, as a baseball fan, I appreciated baseball altogether. You know whether whether I loved Ken Griffey Jr. or you know Don Mattingly, uh, the you know, the list is massive of all the baseball players I admired as a kid. But number one was always the home team, always the Orioles. And uh, yeah, I mean it, it, that that's how it, that's how it's been for me my whole life. I I don't know anything different and. Honestly, I don't want to know anything different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you assume that everyone has that same story. And mine is similar uh, because you and I grew up in the same area and uh, kind of mm-hmm. grew up together, same type yeah. of parents. That, uh, but we've got like uh, – how many stories? One, We've got like five, four, five, six stories coming up, and they're all different. But the one thing that every story has in common is family or community. Whether, yeah. it, whether it's the community they grew up in or the fact that, like, this new, like, Twitter, online, Oriole fan social media community that's built. Cool. So, we're Well, good.
1: I'll look forward to listening to that.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get to all those stories now, and I'll let you uh, go to the village. Baseball and the Orioles is easily my first love. Yeah, I fell in love with baseball way before I even cared about a girl. And it was something that just, it's what me and Matt and our friends did. We played baseball. We listened to the Orioles on the radio. We went to baseball games. We talked baseball. And every time I'm saying baseball now, it's really the Orioles. And it was the Cal And uh, I fell in love. If I had to point to a year, it would be 1989. And that why not season and that team. Because I was nine years old. And nine years old seemed like the perfect time to really fall in love with baseball. And understand what was going on. And I'll never forget that team because of that. I'll never forget um, Steve Finley hurting his arm in the opening day, I believe. When he ran into the wall to to catch it and uh, Pete Harnish stepping on a nail in in Toronto as we were making our way towards the postseason and having to miss a start and wondering how much that affected that team. And I I have, we will always cherish that why not 1989 highlight video because that season meant so much to me as a child. And I, I fell in love with the Orioles because it was passed down from generation. Later in the show, we're going to get to my dad. In fact, I think we'll get to him right after me. And I'll start it off with him, because he's the oldest person we could find to do this interview. And why not hear where he learned it from, because uh, he is who ingrained baseball into me. I remember during the the uh, rough years, when the Orioles were not doing well, I would have friends sometimes make comments about, coming over to my home, and the question would be, did the Orioles win or lose? Because whether they won or lost was the atmosphere that was in my home growing up. It, it truly affected the, the attitude of my family and the tone in the household that, that we would all be a little bitter and upset if the Orioles lost in another stupid way when they should be winning baseball games. And before that, I remember growing up, and when HTS first came out, if you remember, you had to pay extra for it. We couldn't uh, pay the extra money for it, so my dad had some weird way that he would press like the tracking button, and it would get the li- move the lines off the the uh, scramble enough that you could see a nice black and white picture. No sound, but we had a black and white picture. So I could watch the black and white Oriole games with the radio next to the TV and listen. And I watched a lot of Oriole games that way. Um, And eventually we were able to get HTS and then Madison, of course. But I remember watching games on that little black and white uh, TV. It was a color TV, but the black and white image. I remember going outside and pretending to be those baseball stars. And I remember listening to games on the radio. And my dad taking me to Memorial Stadium and sitting in the bleachers. And getting the gigantic sodas that were way bigger than I should have had as a little child. And I just remember that being my start and that being the moment where the Orioles became an important part of my life. And uh, you see, I lead off with family. And it's been passed on to me by family. And that's what all of these stories will, you'll see. There's a common thread of community and family and how wonderful it is to have that stuff. So I'm going to let the rest of these people introduce themselves first. And you know what? We're not going to go with my dad right now. We'll get to him later. Right now we're going to go to JT for a little different story.
4: Yeah, so uh, I'm JT. Uh, I'm from the thriving metropolis of Toledo, Ohio, which I think is going to separate me from uh, a lot of the Orioles fan base. not a large orange and black contingent in northwest Ohio. Um, I went to Chicago, the University of Chicago, for college, and now I'm at Notre Dame Law School, none of those things particularly closer to Baltimore at all. Um, so, you know, it's it's. I think there's a, obviously a difference between being a an Orioles expat, a Baltimore expat, and being someone who's never really lived in the city at all. But um, my dad and I, notwithstanding, are passionate Orioles fans. My dad, growing up, was in a, a pretty standard... Uh, Midwest, uh, middle-class family. And, um, you know, they didn't do a lot of exotic vacations, but a lot of the vacations they took were to uh, his aunt and uncle's house in Joppa, Maryland. It's a eight-hour drive to the Baltimore suburbs from Toledo to Joppa. And, uh, you know, every summer they went out there, my dad went to a lot of Orioles fans, and he fell in love with that team when he was growing up. And, um, you know, when he when I was younger, he passed it on to me uh, in our, you know, Local Springfield Little League games, and we were always the Orioles. Um, I have a large collection of hats that don't fit anymore from the golden age days where we uh, won back to back league titles. Um, but that's the thing is growing up, you know, I had no real connection to the team before Twitter, before Reddit, before, you know, the podcast networks. Uh, the Orioles were really a logo on a shirt in a box store. Uh, so I think, I think. Like a lot of fans, I came back to the team um, when they were good again. But um, it wasn't just that they were good. It's that I had the means to kind of get involved with other fans. You know, growing up on an island, it's not as if I could go down and watch the game on the bar because the Orioles were never on TV. Um, So, you know, when when things turned around in 2012, the combination of, of all the social media and, you know, MLB TV allowed me to kind of rediscover um, that fandom that my dad had growing up, and now it's a, it's a thing we, we, we talk about on the phone every night. The sense of community is huge, because that's what sports is. You know, going down to Camden Yards ideally is hanging out with 40,000 of your closest friends. But, you know, we only do that once a year. And it's not as if we have those connections to local fans when I'm in Toledo or Chicago or South Bend, Indiana. But, uh, you know, my, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Sarah, introduced me to MLB TV in 2012. And then, you know, I started picking up the Orioles podcast, you know, first Camden Chad, and then the Baltimore Sports Report Network, you know, you guys, Birds of you Baltimoreans, et cetera. And, um, you know, through Twitter in, in particular, suddenly it, it feels like an Orioles family. And I, I think sharing the experience of sports is, a, is what we value most about it, right? Um, yeah, sports, sports is a, a story of families, of fathers and sons, of best friends eating a beer and watching the game and, you know, be it slightly different with an ain't the beer cold tweet, um, that experience is now communal and, and that is principally through through podcasts and Twitter is how we uh, my dad and I really came to, to love the Orioles all the more all over again.
2: So I actually grew up in um in Washington, uh, from the age of like ten. Um and And, um, it, well, my story dates a little bit further back than that. So my dad grew up in Washington. My dad was a huge, you know, lifelong senators fan, basically. And, um, when we moved back to DC, when I was 10, um, there was, there were, of course, well, not of course I was, you know, I'm 42 now. So there were no senators then. Um, so we basically adopted the Orioles, um, and for me being a kid you know that sort of became my baseball team for my dad mostly i think it was um a a holding place basically <laughs> until his baseball team came back but that was okay um so we living in DC uh we used to drive up to memorial stadium go to baseball games um when i was in college we actually um went down to spring training when the Orioles were i guess on the other side of florida i can't you know near near uh, where the shuttles launched from um and so we actually saw cal ripken um in spring training one year uh my dad is sort of a baseball fan um of any you know, he loves all baseball. So um so anyway, so so, you know, I just became an Orioles fan. I went away to college um at a time where frankly it was um, you know, nineteen ninety one um where there was no internet. So it was kind of, you know, hard to follow a team from afar, but in any event. Um so I went away for college and then another year and I in nineteen ninety I actually moved to Baltimore to go to law school, and um, of course, 1996 was a very good time to be an Orioles fan, um, and also a very good time to live uh, three blocks from Camden Yards, which is what I did. Um, so I was in law school at the University of Maryland, and I lived, um, you know, just uh, you know, walking distance from the ballpark, and. Um, of course, you know, all of the our favorites played for all of those teams, you know, Cal and Brady and Almar and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, when I was, so I was in law school, and at the time, um, the um, ticketing <laughs> rules about baseball games were much more relaxed than they are now. And you could actually... Go back into Camden Yards um, on someone else's ticket stub. So, like if someone else was leaving and you took their ticket stub, there was no like, hand- I mean, I don't even think you can go in now, um, but there was no hand stamping. You just had to show them a the ticket stub. Pre 9 11, it was obviously a different world. So, so I live three blocks, and so as you know, with any um, baseball game, people leave in the middle. And I would um, just sometimes take a walk in the middle of baseball games and find people who were leaving and take their ticket stubs. And I would just go to Camden Yards, um, you know, in 96 through 97 and watched a ton of baseball games um, without, um, you know, without paying. And because I was by myself and the ushers didn't care, I basically sat wherever I wanted. So I used to just go sit behind the Orioles dugout um, and watch what was then, you know, a great baseball team and, you know, really fun. And, um, so that's how I sort of became an Orioles fan. I was, you know, kind of a fan from, a from being a, you know, a young girl. Um, but then, um, in the, you know, in the mid nineties, I lived, um, you know, kind of lived at the ballpark my first summer in Baltimore. Um, and the rest is history as they say.
0: So you, learned how uh, fell in love with the Orioles from your dad, and now you're passing it to your boys. What does that mean to you?
2: Well, it's you know, it's just great. It's 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 a very different story for them, right? I mean, they really are just. Tried and true Baltimoreans. You know, they were born at Sinai Hospital. They are. You know, they they grew up with the Orioles and the Ravens, and um, that's like the only thing that they know. Um, and I, I think we really are trying to make it sort of a, you know, we try and make it kind of a family thing, which is you know we go to a lot of games, we watch you know a lot of games on television or listen to on the radio together. Um, we, um, we try and go to spring training as often as we can. Um, and you know, in it's, for us, it's like a family. My husband's actually not from here either. Although he also, um, moved to Baltimore the same time I did. We met in law school. Um, so he became an Orioles fan, although not quite as diehard as I was, um, you know, about the same time I did. And, um, you know, we're just trying to, I think it's, it's so, it's such a great thing for them to sort of have that to kind of anchor them in their lives. Um, and it really, I think, ties them to a community um, in, in a way that's really hard to find nowadays. I mean, I just don't, I think we're, um, finding communities like that are um you know they're few and far between now, and you know I mean I you know when we go places they bought, they talk to people who are wearing Oriole shirts. You know they went to summer camp this year and they were you know talking about friends they made who were Orioles fans, and you know it's just I it's it's a bonding sort of mechanism both for us internally as a family, but then also I think in kind of a broader sense, and and you definitely see that among them and their friends who are Orioles fans too you know they have friends who know they're big Orioles fans and when they have an extra ticket they're you know they they invite them along and you know vice versa we do the same thing so um so I that's that's really nice you know and it's I mean as much as I love football and, and I love the Ravens you know baseball is more accessible in terms of being able to go to the ballpark kind of on a whim and it being more reasonably priced and all that sort of stuff so I think that's that's kind of nice for them too, which is that, you know, they their ability to kind of access I wanna say access the players, but have some like um feel some personal connection to them. You know, they do have sort of moments where, you know, Manny Machado threw me a baseball, you know, right before the game or whatever. You know, I feel like baseball is unique in that way that you can make these I mean the players obviously don't feel that connection in the way that we as fans do um, in terms of one-on-one. But, I, you know, they, I think they do kind of feel that in with baseball, and I think that connects them to the community, too. And they really do sort of, you know, ha- have that adoration for her and
5: Hi, this is John Soroka, and I've been asked to uh, talk about how I became an Oil fan. And I guess you really have to go back – a good number of years. I grew up in Baltimore City in a housing co-op. In fact, Arkansas Gardens, for some of you who may know that. Uh, my dad was uh, almost uh, 40 years difference in age than I was when I was born, and uh, yet he uh, instilled in me a really a love for baseball, and that's where I got it from. We would play catch um, every night, practically in the spring and summer, and then as I got older, he would take me to a field, and we just uh, he'd hit five balls, and I would catch them, and and so the love of baseball was there, and then certainly growing up in Baltimore, uh, it was very, very exciting in mid-60s when the Orioles got Frank Robinson. I went to my first game. My first game ever was the game in which uh, Frank Robinson, uh, May 8th of 66, uh, knocked the ball out of the uh, stadium against Louis Tiant in Cleveland, and uh, I fell in love with the Orioles from, from there on out. Uh, got to go to uh, not as many games as, as we go to now, but... But certainly probably throughout the year, going to Memorial Stadium. And those were the days you could just walk up and get really good tickets. I still remember a, a couple of things. Uh, I think box seats, we never got box seats because they were too expensive and they were $4. And it's hard to believe that $4 was a box seat. And, and not only was a box seat, was, but was a deal breaker for me and my dad to get them because we didn't have the money. Um, but I can remember going to those games uh, and going to some... Uh, great games that the Orioles played in 66 and then 69, 70, 71. The Orioles were predominantly the best team in baseball during their three years. And my dad and I uh, would go to those games. And, and so really my love of baseball was instilled uh, with, by him. Uh, and, and I can still remember one night in particular, we were the Orioles were playing uh, Chicago White Sox. And I was psyched about going, it was a Saturday and Chicago White Sox had a great uh, pitching team. There was a guy by the name, I think his name was Joe Horner, and I think he was pitching that Saturday, and it was like uh, a real tough pennant race. And I was excited, and I downed, uh, prior to the game, I downed two twisty donuts really quick, and I puked them up. And my dad assumed that I was getting the flu, and he didn't let me go to the game. And I share that story because you will never see me eat a Twisty Donut from that day forward. I mean, I just, I'm repelled by Twisty Donuts because they stopped me from going to a great game that night. And I never had the flu. I just was a jerky kid who ate uh, Twisty Donuts too fast for my intestines, apparently. And that's my story with that. And, and just uh, throughout the years, um, my dad and I would go to games, and uh, I fell in love with, uh, initially I sat, we always sat on the first base side because the Orioles had a first baseman by the name of Jim, Jim Gentile. For some reason, I really liked him as a player. Um, and then after that period of time, I really developed a uh, a fan relationship with uh, Brooks Robinson. I thought he is still uh, an amazing uh, person, character wise, but an amazing uh, third baseman. I still believe he's the best uh, third baseman in the history of baseball. I watched him many times. Uh, you can't uh, forget the World Series he had against Cincinnati when the world got to know how good he was at third and so um you know when you grow up as a fan of that every time you play any anytime you uh, play a pickup game you want to grab third base because of the fact that brooks robinson was was such an instrumental person uh to me growing up because he had the skills and he had the character uh so that's really it in a nutshell of how i got to um become a fan of Baltimore, basically through my dad, and the boys on the podcast mentioned my love for the Orioles and how that encouraged them, but really it was my love, uh, my dad's love affair, first with baseball, he just loved the game. And and think about it, it's the only sport where you have to get the opponent out. It's not based on time, and I love that factor, that you gotta get 27 outs in, in this game to win it, if you're ahead, that time's not a factor, you can't hold on to the ball, you gotta play, and you have to force those 27 outs no matter what. And, you know, I know we're trying to speed up the game nowadays. And I understand that. But there's something remarkable about sitting, whether it be Memorial, old Memorial Stadium, where it used to be, or, or Camden Yards, and just taking in a game. We, I love doing that with my sons now. And you take in a game. You forget about everything else that's going on. And you just enjoy those couple of hours realizing that the time factor is not going to kick in at all, that you have to get the outs of the other team in order to win the game. And I find baseball to be exciting from that perspective.
6: Um, My name is Rob Feigley. Um, I grew up in Baltimore. I've been a lifelong Orioles fan um, since certainly the day I can remember. Um, You know, it's kind of been instilled in me, um, you know, even before I can remember my grandfather was a huge baseball fan um he was very passionate he was the kind of guy that would go and heckle umpires and the players until he got kicked out um his famous saying was um if you went to a game with him um he would say did you bring the refrigerator when you would look at it front, he would say um well i'd love to pick a on it. <laughs> that was what he was known for so um so that was even before i can even remember um as i got a little old. Um, my father started taking me to games Um, I was at game one of the 83 AFS with my um, great uncle Bill um, known as Pop You know, when you think of the traditional um, guy that sits out on his porch on a hot summer night with a cigar and a cold beer and the radio on in the ball game um, that was him Um, many games watching with him um, with uh, Brooks and Chuck Thompson calling. So uh, there's a lot of memories of Memorial Stadium. I went to the last three games at Memorial Stadium. Um, certainly a lot of emotional moments there, especially um, in the last game. And then when we got to the Camden Yards there, um, I did go to the um, Cal Ripken game, 21-31. I'd have to say I've been to a lot of sporting events, and that is um, probably always going to be number one for me. Um, not just baseball history, but some um, world and life history there as
0: well. It's all—it's cool. So you're the, the third or fourth person I've talked to, and it's just cool to hear everyone's story is different. Yet we all grew up watching the same teams play. We all had different approaches and angles to it, so it's very cool. Definitely,
6: definitely. When I was a kid at Memorial Stadium, um, went to a game with my dad and a couple of my cousins, and we were standing outside waiting to get some autographs from the players so um, i had a baseball and i got it signed and i kind of ran up to everybody i was like you know look i got one and they looked at it and they're like rob this guy is not a player and i still remember the guy's name to this day um it's one of the great mysteries of my life i could ever figure out who he was Uh, the baseball was signed amos quote killer roberts and I know that's the you've ever played for the Royals. I've actually asked um, a few of the older players, um, Al Abundraway when I've crossed paths with them, if they have any clue who this guy was and um, nobody seems to know. Um I got made fun of that for years, I still do once in a while. So there's, there's just a lot of uh good old time memories. Um it certainly entails some of the best memories as uh, as a child. And, um, you know, I've carried that, uh, anybody who, uh, follows me on Twitter or has been to a game with me or sees the way I post about things, um, you know, it's just kind of been instilled in my blood to, uh, you know, be passionate and emotional about it. And, um, said it's a different age and era now for sure, but, um, I've carried that over into adulthood as well. Uh, Baltimore has a, uh, a,
0: you
6: know, a very, and certainly, um, you know, it's been some rough times, um, there recently, but there's, um a unique character. Um, there's, there's something very distinct about it. And, um, you know, there's a tight community and and family and values and, and people do care about and help each other. Um, my birthday was Friday the 8th and I was lucky enough to have gone to the ball game that night with about, uh, 25 to 30 family members. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time. It was a perfect place to spend day. birthday. Um, could have asked for um, a little bit of a better game, especially with the pitching. But um, between being, um, being there and seeing the '66 uh, team come out before the game and get acknowledged on the, the um, 50th anniversary and then the fireworks afterwards, um, it was just a great time. And that, that's certainly going to be up there with the memories that I have so far going to games,
0: no question about it. It's cool to hear people fall in love with the Orioles.
6: Yeah, for sure. And the thing about the Orioles is, um, you know, they're the, the one team that has always been there. I uh, said, so, you know, I've been around long enough to remember when the Colts left and, um, you know, kind of the boy that was in the middle there. And certainly, um, you know, I never really thought that the Ravens would be able to replace them, but they, um, they most certainly have done that. Uh, it's kind of a generational thing. Um, my dad, Um, He loved the Colts, and he does love the Ravens as well, but for him, um, he says, you know, it's still not exactly played the same. I would think people in my generation probably feel that, you know, it's matched, and certainly the younger generation doesn't really have the perspective of, you know, having had the Colts. But the Orioles are the one team, um, you know, that's been there since, you know, I can absolutely remember. So um, there's definitely something special about that for sure.
3: All right. Well... My name is Brian, and uh, my story is quite right like other people's because I'm an out-of-state Baltimore Orioles fan. I um, currently live in uh, right outside of Albany, New York. I grew up in the suburb of Albany in Denmark. Um I have family, though, um, that was originally here, and they moved to Falls Church, Virginia, I want to say, like, right around the time or maybe a couple years ago I was born. And they all, you know, settled down there, all got married down there. And my parents were not big sports fans whatsoever. So they had no sports following. My dad was not one of those dads that go out and play catch in the yard or, you know, teach you the fundamentals of any sport whatsoever. So luckily, I had this kid down the street. His name was Scott. And Scott was a big baseball fan. His brother was really good at baseball. His dad was a baseball coach. So let's hang out with him. And I think about five five or six, you know, you start a little uh, t-ball. And he was like, you know, you should play t-ball this year. Um, and we can start, you know, playing before so that way you don't feel like you're really bad and whatnot. So we started hanging out. And, you know, it's World Bowl, World Orioles t shirt so, you know, start collecting bars and stuff. And he's like, oh, let's go to, you know, we had, at that time, it was the Albany County Yankees, which was double A for the New York Yankees. And he's like, oh, well, you know, let's go to a game. And I had never been to a certain event whatsoever. And, you know, it was a smart stadium. Probably doesn't, didn't, not even comparable to any of the single A stadiums now. Because all the single A stadiums now actually... Generate some revenue and whatnot. I mean, not that they didn't, but um, and wouldn't you know, the manager of that 1989 team was Buck Showalter. That team ended up going like 92 and 48. They had a plus 189 run differential. I never just break. I went to a lot of games this year with them, but yeah, I do remember my first one because they gave out these baseball cards. So you know, you the uh, Buck Showalter baseball card the time, uh, Dion Sanders, Bernie Williams, Scott Kamenicki, Jim Laird—they all hold this team. So you, you got all these like, and the baseball cards are like the most cheesy baseball cards ever. Like the ones that we used to get as kids, are the, like future all-star. The one of buck, I send it to you, is pretty priceless. I mean, he's just there's no emotion in space as always, but I uh, so we got that, and then. So I was like, hey, I like this guy. We're going to hang out. I'm going to be an Orioles fan. Then my cousin got married to staff, who was a huge Orioles fan, because back then, Falls Church, Virginia, there was one baseball team, both more Orioles. There was no Washington Nationals. And so he, you know, to the great bottom, my mom said, oh, yeah, you know, Brian's becoming an Orioles fan. So he used to come up. And every time he come up, he would always bring me Orioles stuff, Orioles stuff. And then eventually... I got old enough and went down there, and we would go to Orioles games. The only problem is, Jeff, the dark years were too much for Jeff. So Jeff has uh, shifted. He's not only a Washington Nationals fan, he's a Washington Nationals season ticket holder. So definitely I give him crap for that because I grew up in New York State. I had to go through the dark years when the New York Yankees were the best team for like four or five years if not more and I had to deal with that going to school with my Orioles stuff you know because basically after 97 we all know what happened it was downhill it was terrible that, those were like the games that were on TV the only time I really got to see the Orioles it were when I played the Yankees or the Red Sox and half the time if not 90% of the time they would lose In all the games I went to at Yankee Stadium as a kid they would always have the lead and then blow it in the ninth. I can't tell how many walk-offs I've seen in the dark years of, you know, the Orioles being ahead like 6 nothing and losing 7-6. So that's my story of an out-of-state uh, Baltimore Orioles fan, still a fan. Um, we share in Collin, both your daughter's name is Camden, my son's name is Camden. And, yeah, I, we go down all the time.
0: Now now during all that time, how tempted were you to become a Yankee fan? Say that again? How tempted were you during those dark years to become a Yankee fan?
3: Never. I with a passion hated the Yankees. I hated, hated, hated the Yankees. And I through ninety four I watched the whole farm system. I watched Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada. All those guys were on that and he the Yankees team until the strike. And then evidently the Yankees wanted some more money to put into the stadium because it was. It was kind of dumpy. They only wanted like a million dollars to put in the stadium. And they're like, no, nah, we won't see a return on this. Because, you know, early in the Yankees weren't good. So that they made a huge mistake there. But never, never once was I even like, it wasn't even a question. Like I will never become a Yankees fan. I despise the Yankees. There's many times, even as a kid, I was like, the Yankees are ruining baseball because when they don't have it in their farm system, which that was one thing I respected. Like, I saw those guys come and I was like, all right, they have a legit farm system. When it started getting to the years where it was just like buying Mike Messina, buying Randy Johnson, you know, buying the A-Rods, the Chuck Knoblox, you know, all that, I just couldn't stand that. So there's no way I could become a Yankees fan. And a lot of the guys I know, actually, you know, our Yankees fans. And, of course, this year, you know, we'll go out for beers every once in a while and say, oh, yeah, you guys have been watching a lot of games. I... No, I haven't watched any games this year. I go, funny how that is because, like, remember that couple of years ago when that's all you were talking about is watching the Yankees and now that they're not doing well, if have to watch them. Dude, I went through 14 years of that. Like 2012, I remember I was saying, you know what, maybe we can be 500 this year. And then obviously, you know, a different story was – but no not once never
0: so how did you become an oriole fan that was a bunch of different stories and we're all here at the same point where we're all cheering on these birds the first place birds and it's all about community and family and it's been amazing as Social media has taken off, and Twitter, and uh, I guess that's still social media, but the fact that we can now have this Oriole this community online, because that's what it's about. That's what makes us fans. It's sure we all have this commonness, uh, and sure the team plays well, and that helps a lot. And yeah, for most of us, our entire life, it's been cheer for the black and orange. No matter who the players were, we might as well have been cheering for laundry. But really, it's always been about community. It's been about being with family and cheering. It's why we love it when the stadium is full. And it's why we love to be on Twitter during the Oriel game. Because we get to enjoy this great game of baseball together. Anyway, it's been another great show. And it's been one more week closer to when Matt and Bert get back in town. So you have that to look forward to. And when they come back in town... August 20th, we're all going to get together for Night at the Yard. And here's the details. August 20th. You may have seen it advertised a lot lately. Because it is a Crush Davis bobblehead day. So that's one thing you can get. Him and his dog, Samson. I don't, I haven't, still haven't figured out if the dogs had bobbles so that we could have a bobble dog. But if you come early, you can get that. You can sit with us up in the cheap seats. And if you go on the Orioles website right now, You cannot get your tickets out for under 30 bucks. It's just not possible. So here's what we've got a deal. We jumped on this a long time ago. A few months ago we actually reserved all these tickets. So here's the deal we got for you. Head on over to section 336.com and you can get your ticket for 25 bucks. $25 and you get to join us in the cheap seats. Yeah, they're the cheap seats. But you're in the stadium. It should be a good crowd that night. We're playing the Houston Astros. You get to hang out with the community. Of section 336 it'll be a great time and I've also we've also got a deal on there for t-shirts if you don't have your Trumbo shirt yet you can get that for a total of $40 for your shirt and ticket that gives you the shirt and ticket shipped to your home for $40 it's a great deal so head on over to section 336.com like you should regularly anyway and go on over there and get your ticket for night at the yard we've got 50 tickets so I'm Pretty sure they're going to go pretty fast. Thanks to the Crush Davis bobblehead. Especially if he starts hitting the ball again. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka. You can continue to follow Bert at Bert Rohde and Matt at Section 336. You can even follow the intern who I'll probably have back in here next week at WW Intern and the show at Section 336 Show. And please give us some review on iTunes. Go on iTunes and make a review and tell Matt and Bert how great of a job I've been doing with them taking their summer off. And go ahead and like our Facebook page as well. Next week we'll be back in studio live on Tuesday night, and I believe we will have—I believe it's Erock from Barstool next week. We've got guests over the next couple weeks all in studio, so it'll be a lot of fun. Until then, I'll see you guys next week. Go. Oreos. Section 336
2: is a affiliate of 247 Networks. Find Section 336
4: on UtahStreetReport.com.